This week on the Why Marketing Podcast, I sit down with Joe Hodes, the Chief Marketing Officer at Wanna Brands, the number one infused products company in the cannabis industry. Joe and I chat about what it's like to lead marketing within the cannabis industry. So sit back, enjoy, and let's get on with the show with Joe Hodes. So uh, I have been in marketing and communications for the majority of my 25 year uh, career. And uh, in, in 2014, the year, actually the first week legalization uh, was implemented in Colorado, I actually became the CMO for a, another edibles brand called Dixie Brands. And so uh, that was actually a result of uh, my prior year, prior five years where I was a partner with an ad agency and Dixie had come to us for some brand and some market research uh, work. And really, I just found it so fascinating. I just kept in touch with the ownership of, of Dixie. And again, once legalization looked like it was a real thing, um, I made the, the move over uh, into the industry because partly because I, of course, found it fascinating as a marketer, but also as a parent and an adult in my community, knowing that this was the first time anything like this was going to happen anywhere, I figured it would be better to be on the side of helping to implement it responsibly and 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 well versus being an armchair quarterback pointing out all the things that could have been done differently. There's plenty of those people out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously the cannabis industry has kind of a long history of legality issues to not every state in the country has legalized it. What were some of the challenges, I guess, more from a personal standpoint of, was there any kind of trepidation about do I go or not go? Huge, huge. I mean, that was, you know, before the majority of, of mainstream marketers were even considering cannabis. And so I did a, a tremendous amount of outreach to mentors, to friends, to family, um, all of whom said, go for it. They felt like it was really a, a good opportunity and the right thing to do. But uh, I did then sit down with my family. And so at the time, um, I have a, a, a daughter and two sons. At the time, my two sons were, they were nine and, and 12, I think. They were upset. They were, they were really upset. They didn't understand why I was looking to get into something that they had been told all their lives was bad. And it was a hard discussion to have. And, you know, it's painful to watch your, your son in tears asking you why you're doing that. But of course I opted not to take uh, lessons on my career path from my 13 year old son. So luckily I made the right decision. And now he, of course he looks back on it and I think he understands and, and actually feels a, a certain level of pride, not so much about the cannabis side of it, but more so of, of changing stigmas and, and, and breaking down some of these uh, ridiculous laws that have uh, existed for far too long. Well, now that you've been in the industry for a while and you look back over that time, what are some of the different stigmas and laws that you were the most surprised by? Well, the things I've been most surprised by are the, I guess one thing is the, the occasions that I still run into what I call cannabigotry. Um, you know, I'm just shocked sometimes by how ignorant people can be about it. Um, I was, uh, two years ago, went skiing with my oldest son. We went to the lodge. We were having lunch. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of people there. So there weren't a lot of places to sit. This nice elderly couple asked us if we'd like to sit with them. We said, sure. Strikes up a conversation with me. And um, inevitably, when someone says, so what do you do? There's three things that run through my mind. I, I either think, A, I don't feel like having this discussion, so I'll just say something general like marketing. B, it's going to be a real positive discussion where they're like, oh my God, that's so amazing. I love cannabis. Or C, they're going to be on the other side of that, right? So I tried mark. I just tried saying marketing and they kept pressing and pressing. And so I said, you know, well, I'm 
in the cannabis industry. And oh my gosh, that, that unleashed, you know, my kid is sitting right there and he just starts telling me how I'm going to end up in prison, how everybody in this industry is going to end up in prison. And we are absolutely against, you know, the federal law. And uh, it was a very tenuous discussion. And sometimes that still happens, right? Now on the, on the positive side, um, I've seen so many businesses that even the last few years have not only said that they will accept or interact with cannabis businesses, but have actually gravitated towards it to uh, develop their own divisions to, to focus on the cannabis industry. And it really helped elevate uh, the infrastructure of cannabis as an industry. It seems like it's becoming you know, more and more accepted at a very rapid pace. Yeah, you know, I read something not too long ago about how the, the timelines for acceptance of social change have compressed so significantly, partially because of technology and social media. But when you look at, for example, uh, gay marriage and how quickly that, you know, spiraled, it was, you know, for the longest time, it was a battle that had been fought, but uh, it, no one paid any attention at the, at the federal level. And then all of a sudden, within about a period of a year or two, the intensity increased, the pressure increased, and all of a sudden, um, the Supreme Court jumped in and said, yeah, it's, it's legal. So I think that cannabis um, has the opportunity to go the same way. But I will say that it's, it, it was not a bad thing that has taken a little while because I think we've been able to work through some of the kinks. We've seen some of the, the challenges that can occur. And I've never, never been a proponent of the federal government just saying, well, it's legal, go figure it out, because that's not a good, that's not a good way to do it either. So there has to be some thought put to it. How, how many of the states right now is it legal? I lose track sometimes. I think we're at well over 30. I think it's about 32 now, where it's either medically or recreational or both. When do you see that the rest of the country, like all 50 states, how long do you think that will take? <laughs> uh, well, that's a great question. If I had a crystal ball, I could answer that one. But there are some states that are very conservative and very uh, anti-legalization. Uh, so I would say that federal legalization will have to occur first. And then even then, you may not see it. I remember, you know, my wife is from, from Dallas, which I know you're familiar with, with Texas, of course. And there were some, you know, some counties that were still dry when we go to visit our family down there. And I never understood that. I mean, first of all, not, not just the revenue that you're losing as, as, a, as a, a county or a community, but also if I want to get alcohol, I can just go, you know, five minutes away to get it. I don't, I don't understand that, that, that thinking, but I'm sure there will be many, many states or county by county that will uh, forbid it for a long time to come. It seems like it's going to be a kind of a long, you know, kind of slog and you know, fight through to, to get this done. But, uh, you know, talking about, let's now let's change gears. Let's talk about Wanna Brands you know, and everything you are doing there. Because, you know, there's a lot of health benefits with cannabis and, and why they're taking it and using it. So can we talk about that? Well, um, you can talk about that. Legally, I can't talk about that because we're not able to, uh, we shouldn't be making claims about the product. I can tell you that that people, of course, use it for a number of reasons. I, I, you know, people use it for anxiety, they use it for sleep, they use it for pain. Um, so there's certainly a number of, of uh, reasons why people um, choose to use cannabis. But I also think that companies like Wana are, are looking at really two, really actually three primary areas to focus on for consumers. One is education. So to the point of why people may consume cannabis, we want to make sure they have all the facts and all the information before they uh, choose to do so. So we, we focus pretty heavily on that. Two is giving consumers greater choice and greater uh, ability to manage their, their cannabis consumption through low-dose products, through uh, products that have very clear uh, understanding of the dosability. And then three is technology. And that's something that you don't often hear about, particularly as it relates to an edibles company. But 
Um, we're big believers that uh, to just put some THC into a product is not sufficient to create a, a truly differentiated, unique, and, and also safe cannabis product. So we focus on making sure that we have quality, that we have consistency, and we use uh, technologies like our, our quick edibles that we've just launched that are uh, designed with a fast acting element. So they have effect in five to 15 minutes, which eliminates the this you know issue of wait time that often you have with edibles. And it's out of the system within two to four hours. So it's a very defined period of time. So it just gives the the cannabis consumer a lot more control over the experience. Technology was not what I was expecting, one of the words that would come out of it. It's it's great to hear because, I mean, Water Brand it's, it is the largest edibles company out there. And you that's know, correct. As a, as a CMO there, I mean, clearly you're in an emerging and growing market. What are some of the challenges that you face as a marketer? Because I, when I asked you that one question, you're like, okay, we can't talk about certain benefits or claims. That's yeah. obviously kind of, kind of almost it makes it difficult. So you've got to really figure out those different ways to actually educate the market. Let's talk about that. Great question. And, and there really are a lot of things that handcuff us, not only things like you're talking about in terms of claims, but also uh, what media formats we can use. And that varies by state. Um, many media platforms still don't allow uh, cannabis advertising. So just on their own, having nothing to do with any of the regulations. So we have to be pretty smart about how we Go about doing this. Um, you know, we we often as as an industry get shut down by Facebook or Instagram. They don't like the way that we're talking about a brand or a product or uh, or to the consumer. They can they shut us down and say that we've run afoul of uh, community regulation. So we have to be really really careful about what we do. And the good news is that um, that has been you know really just hammered into the the brains of most uh, cannabis marketers. And so you see very responsible marketing these days. It wasn't always that way. Like early, early days, 2014, we still had to go through a, a period of, of maturity for the industry. Um, when I started as CMO of Dixie, one of the best and easiest things that we were able to do was to create packaging that was, that seemed upscale and, and demonstrated a sense of confidence to the consumer because there was so much packaging that, that just looked schlocky and thrown together. So that was a differentiator. Of course, since then, people have caught up and packaging now looks, you know, good. It's all child resistant and all that good stuff. So we continue to have to uh, set that bar a little bit higher and a little bit higher. And for Juana, um, that really is a matter of making sure that we are, again, focused on education and we're focused on, uh, on technology for consumers because that allows them access to information that maybe we can't say specifically uh, in the context of a label on a package, but we can give them plenty of information and access to that information to make those decisions on their own. What is your favorite product that you'll have so far? It, it's the quick gummies that we just launched. I mean, they, they really are a completely different product and they really take care of a lot of the, a lot of the, so edibles are a fast growing category. A lot, a lot of people love edibles, but they're a little unpredictable. They take a long time to get out of the system. And it's also a different, uh, a different high, actually. I don't know if you know this part of it, but, uh, when you uh, ingest THC and uh, digest it through the liver, it actually changes the chemical makeup of the THC. It goes from being a delta-9 to an 11-hydroxy, which is technical terminology for the, the molecular composition of the, of the THC itself. But it's what gives you that different feeling. It's why some people have a problem with edibles and they don't necessarily like them. They prefer smoking. The quick edibles are really the first fast-onset edible product that is actually like a smoking experience. So it's, 
it's going to change, I think, uh, the nature of edibles as a whole. Just more of that relaxed feel? Well, it is, it's a little bit of that. So it's quick edibles, a little bit more cerebral as opposed to a body high, which is majority of edibles tend to be a body high, which is kind of where you feel your, your body just feels like it's a little bit slower and, and you know you feel it in the effect uh, in the body more so than the head. This gives you a little more of a head high and it's just not quite as, it can be very intense for people. That's why some people just say, I don't, I don't like edibles is it's just a very intense feeling. This is a much lighter, more cerebral effect. It's not like the brownies they made in high school then. <laughs> no, gosh, no. You know, when I, when I think about how products used to be made uh, and, and I think about how much we know now in terms of testing and dosing and quantities, it's, it's kind of crazy. In fact, I, I liken it sometimes to Advil. Like if you didn't know that you could resolve your headache with, let's say, two pills or 400 milligrams of Advil, uh, you might have been, you know, taking the whole bottle of Advil <laughs> before, all of the, before all that dosing information was known. It's very similar to, to cannabis. People don't need the large quantities that they have taken in the past. Let's talk about Wanna Brands down the road. What are you really excited about? Well, aside from global domination, uh, I would say <laughs> that we are, we're in a great position to to really create, or not create, actually, we've already created, I think, a level of brand loyalty um, for in an industry that really doesn't have a lot of brand loyalty. So, yeah, why do you, why do you think that there's not a lot of brand brand loyalty? You would think that actually, if, if any, this would be one that you find something you really like, you would stick with it. But you don't, you're not saying that. Yeah, a couple of reasons why. So one is um, up until actually, what, what's interesting about the the pandemic is that it actually has changed the the dynamic between cannabis brand, cannabis consumer, and dispensary, because up until two, three months ago, 90% or so, that's a number I use, 90%, but 90% or so of the transaction was really determined by the bud tender in the dispensary, because people would go in and say, I, you know, I would like to try cannabis for this, or I like this format, and the bud tender says, well, I think that, you know, this is probably a good product for you, you should consider these products, right, so a lot of our focus as cannabis companies went to not only educating the bud tender, but also creating favorability with the bud tender because we knew that they were going to control a lot of that decision-making that took place in the store. Now we're finding ways that we have to connect directly with the consumer because they're not having that in-store experience. Now I'm sure that it will go back to the way it was to a certain extent, but I don't think it's going to, it's going to go back to the way it was uh, wholesale. I think it's going to be a definite shift in terms of how we interact with the consumer. But all that being said, so because the bud tender had a lot of influence, whatever the bud tenders felt were the right products to recommend became uh, the, the product that got recommended and that the consumer purchased. However, there are so many new products on the market on a regular basis that this industry is very guilty of sort of that shiny object syndrome. So, oh, new product, great, I gotta try this. New format, great, I gotta try it. And so there isn't a lot of repeat customer for, for many of the brands and many of the products. Wanna again being the exception. I've never I've never seen anything like it where we get repeat after repeat after repeat. We've got you know data from dispensaries that would back that up, and so a lot of it has to do with exactly what you said before, which is this idea of consistency. Once you find that product you like, it works the right way. But so many companies have failed to capture that consistency, and I think that's a big piece of it, right? So I had it Thursday and it made me feel this way. I had it Saturday and it made me feel a different way. I don't like that inconsistency. Wanna because of, again, this focus on technology and on science has really dialed in that feeling and that consistency that our products deliver. And so people know that's what they can go through time and time again. I think that 
data insights has to be your friend as a marketer in a market like that. You can, if you can get those type of breaking it down by demographics, age, what they're enjoying, all that, that has to be like pennies from heaven. Well, it is. I'll tell you though, up until I'm going to say about two years ago, um, there was a significant dearth of data. We just didn't, it just wasn't available. And it's only been the last two years that we've finally seen some of the technologies that promised access to that data that have become actually real companies that can provide it. We've also seen a general sophistication and the point of sale systems that a lot of the dispensaries are using. So they're now able to fit data back to us. We just got some great data from that quick product I was mentioning earlier. We did a uh, market test with a partner and they gave us some data back that showed tremendous uh, information to us in terms of how people are buying the product, um, how many repeat customers there are, how many are in-state and out-of-state, a lot of information that's useful to us as, as marketers and as a, a brand and a company, but again, it didn't exist a few years ago, which is why we're still very much on the early end of not only gathering that data, but also understanding how to translate it because the cannabis consumer, for the most part, in my opinion, is not like other industries and other consumers. It's a very unique consumer in this industry. What is the demographic that you see coming into the market the quickest? From a data standpoint, I can tell you that it's the over 65 crowd is actually growth-wise the quickest growth market right now. But what I would add to that is that- Those crazy the, 65 and older, I tell you what. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, what's interesting is you know, they, they, everyone's positing their theory as well. They, they were hippies when, you know, when they were younger and they, they have experience with it and blah, blah, My mom wasn't a hippie. But she is, you know, the, the walls are coming down in terms of like, oh, this can actually be medicine. This can actually help me with my sleep. Uh, you know, for a lot of older people, I mean, much older, you know, you know, 80s and 90s. It's also, um, you know, there's a lot of end of life anxiety, a lot of loneliness, things that, that cannabis um, potentially can really help with. So that's why we're seeing, I think, growth in that segment of the cannabis consumer. But I talk a lot about having to have one foot in the present and one foot in the future. That current, that present is that still, and I don't have the exact number, so I'm going to throw out a data point that probably needs to be verified, but um, somewhere in the range of 70 to 80% of all the cannabis that's consumed is consumed by about 20% of the consuming public, meaning it's that core consumer that, that really drives a lot of the sales. So we have to be cognizant of the core consumer who is a cannabis aficionado, who loves the product, sticks with it, and has that loyalty, but also one foot in the future, meaning that the over 65 segment, the proverbial soccer mom who is looking at how to uh, uh, better deal with her stress. You know, those are, are, are the growing market segments that we still have barely begun to tap into. It's still so early on. Every demographic is an opportunity. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I've always said that cannabis is not going to be for everyone. Just as, you know, if you look at the world of alcohol, some people like bourbon, some people like tequila, some people don't drink it at all, right? So it's not going to be the panacea for everyone, but I do believe that, again, once either federal legalization occurs and or we continue to knock down these stigmas and there's more and more stories from person to person about how cannabis made a difference in their lives, I think we'll see that more people get into this, you know, this, this pie that in most communities is somewhere in the range of, I think the data was 15% of people have consume cannabis uh, once in the past month in Colorado. So as a using that as sort of a way to understand how many people are consuming, I think that that 15% will grow uh, more significantly over time. 
I would imagine there's some spikes in that data, like around the ski season and summer. Well, tour, tourism definitely, you know, certainly in Colorado makes a difference. I would say that, you know, as more and more states legalize, it's one of the things I worried about for my own state of Colorado, which is so much of our business and our industry was built initially on that tourism. You know, when you have 30 plus states that are legal and 11 of them that are recreationally legal, it's not as a big of a deal any longer to come to Colorado and do those other things. Some of the big booster of Colorado, so skiing and being out in the mountains and doing all that great stuff. That's the reason someone comes to Colorado. I don't believe they come just for cannabis, but the fact that you could also add that to the mix, you know, made a difference. But I think that's going to begin to dissipate even further once more and more states legalize. Since I failed to wish you happy 420 day, because that's Thank today. You. <laughs> important was, holiday. It's an important holiday. I would think in the industry it probably is, but it actually really is. I mean, people treat it Honestly, the, certainly when we could gather, it was a little bit better, but we can't this year. But I mean, people do treat it like a religious holiday and, and they recognize it as such. I was doing some research on it and I was trying to find kind of the origin of it. And there's so many different discrepancies on how exactly it got started. But can you just quickly just explain to everybody what uh, 420 Day is? Sure. So to your point about the origin story, the, the origin story that I've heard is, is supposed to be the true one. Granted, I wasn't there, but there was a, a group of teens in California. They, they called themselves the Waldos. They used to go and, and take a break, and they would you know go smoke a joint at, at 420 every day. So that was their kind of insignia, like, oh, it's 420, and they're going to go smoke a joint. So that, I think, was the start of it, to the best of my knowledge. Um, and, of course, since then, it has represented everything from 420, meaning that every day of 420, or... April 20th being sort of like the big day to celebrate cannabis. And then, and of course, legalization has taken on the, the meaning of this is a day that we can celebrate. And also, though, still remember that, A, there are plenty of people that are still incarcerated for the very same things that we're out and about doing with freedom. So let us not forget that we have to take care of that issue, whether it's expungement of past offenses or people who are still currently incarcerated in prison. So we remember those kinds of things on this day. So it has taken on a little bit more of a social and, and emotional meaning than simply, let's go smoke a joint and get high. I, the story you, t- you mentioned was the same one that I had heard as well. Now, probably the most popular theory behind how it started. Um, and it makes probably the most sense. Yeah, it sounds good to me. I like it. Uh, I think it was really insightful what you said about kind of remembering those that really actually are incarcerated because of things that people are actually doing freely now. It wasn't something I'd considered. That's a really important thing I think people have to take into consideration. Juana uh, supports something called the Last Prisoner Project, which um, is focused on exactly that, whether it's expungement and or just getting people out of prison. So a lot of what we do on the fundraiser side or like when we do an event, like a 420 event, um, a lot of the proceeds will go to the Last Prisoner Project. That's cool. As we start to get towards the end, I want to move into our speed round, which is okay, I'm ready. just a four random questions. So we're just going to fire them off at you. Question sure. one. What supply in your house is running low? Food. Always. <laughs> I got three kids. Yeah, I can appreciate that. It's like never ends. I was going to thought you were going to say toilet paper since we're in the middle of the pandemic. I, for a while, that was, I was actually getting pretty nervous. But then, then I, found, uh, I found out how to procure some, uh, some toilet paper. It seemed a lot harder than procuring weed at this point. <laughs> if you're running for office, what would your campaign slogan be? It would be... Um, I actually had this the other day. What was it? Uh, the party of common sense. I like that. Who would your running mate be then? 
I think it might be Tom Hanks, actually. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that guy is a cool character. He is just, I like that guy. <laughs> it's timeless, too. Yep. All right, let's go to the next one. What fashion trend do you just not get? Uh, boy, I, that, that's probably the majority of fashion trends. <laughs> uh, honestly, I'm not sure I'm digging the rolled up pants. I don't know that uh, I'm a fan of uh, of some of the uh, color choices uh, uh, currently, kind of the pastels and, and whatnot. Not a big fan of that. Can't I, I don't follow fashion all that closely though. Mine's the skinny jeans. I just for guys. I just don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll I'll throw that in there. That 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 works for me. And now the last one. What's one piece of advice you'd give your younger self, knowing everything that you know now? Um, take more risks early on. Um, you know, even though I'm in this crazy industry now, and I'm and I'm fifty or just about fifty for the first however many years of my career, I was pretty, and, and still today, I'm, I'm somewhat conservative from a, a career standpoint. I didn't take enough risks early on. I think I would have been a better marketer and maybe um, would have uh, gotten to the point I'm at today earlier had I been more open to taking risk. I think that goes for a lot of us. Early on, you're so afraid to speak up or yeah. Sort of things you just oh I don't want what everybody's gonna think and stuff. So you just gotta put yourself out there. So I agree with that. That's a good one. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience? Uh, anything that we failed to cover that you think is important or relevant? No, I think this has been great. I really appreciate you having me. And I think you know if there's any closing thought, it's just be good to each other. And you know if if, Amen. if cannabis can play a role in that or help you know in people's uh, lives and stress and everything, I, I hope that it does. And just remember to uh, take care of each other. And when you're in Colorado or any of the other legalized state, check out Wanna Brands. It's good stuff. Oh, yeah, that one too. I forgot to mention that. That's a good one. <laughs> Great. Actually, just as a side note, we just launched with a platform called iHeartJane. So people can actually, through our website now, reserve their product and know exactly what dispensaries have what of our products and, and kind of purchase it through the website. You can't technically transact on the website, but you can reserve it and then pay the dispensary. So That's cool. So it's almost like you have some transparency to see what the stock levels and stuff are. Exactly. That way you don't go all the way over there to realize shit. That was the biggest problem for the longest time for many is that keeping up with that inventory and having a way to do that in real time um, was tough. So we'd have a map on the website. Here's where you can find our products. But if there was one specific product you wanted, the best only way to figure that out was to pick up the phone and call the dispensary and make sure they had it in stock. Yeah. And now we can do it on the website. It's funny to think that picking up the phone and calling is like old school, but it's, yeah. <laughs> what? You have to call somebody? Oh. I know. It's, oh my gosh. I'm totally opposed to it, actually. I'm laughing about it with you, but I'm, I, I hate picking up the phone anymore and calling anybody. I'm just like, oh, I can't do it online. Uh, uh, I don't want to do that. Well, I do think there's actually something to that, right? I mean, when you really think about it, it, it says that, wow, does this brand really want my business that much? If they're not willing to make it easy for me to actually buy and have some you know, ease of use, you got to understand, I mean, as a marketer, you know that better than anybody. You got to be where the customers are. If it's on their handheld, if it's on their smartphone, if it's web, whatever, yep. you got to make Absolutely. it easy for them. So, Absolutely. Hey, Joe, thanks. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Bye, man. man. Here. We'll talk to you. Bye-bye.